The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of John, chapter number 15. That'll be where we uh, have our text reading this morning, John chapter number 15. We'll look at a few verses in John 15. We'll look at several other scriptures this morning as we go through our Bible study together. Well, I'm excited to be with you on the very first Sunday of 2015. I love the new year. I love being able to look ahead and set goals and pray and ask God to do something even greater this year than he did last year. And if you're like me and you grew up in the 80s and 90s, 2015 promises to be an incredible year. You say, why if we grew up in the 80s and 90s? Because if you grew up in the 80s or in the 90s, you know 2015 is the year we finally get our hoverboards. Amen? All right, yes. 2015, they're going to come. They will be here this year. Uh, just kidding. Um, I, 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 or flying cars, exactly. I wish. I really do. But um, anyway, John 15, verse 13 says, Greater love had no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 15 says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you, get this, friends. For all the things that I have heard of my Father, I have made note unto you. So here Jesus is calling us his friend. Then in verse number 17, These things I command you, that ye love one another. These things I command you, that ye love one another. This morning we're going to look at the type of friend that Jesus is. The type of friend that Jesus is. Let's have a word of prayer. After we pray, you can go ahead and be seated. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Father, we just thank you for the new year that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for all the promises that it holds. And like the video we saw just a moment ago, Lord, the hope that we have in you. And Father, I just ask that as we go into 2015, Lord, that we will commit to be the type of friend that you are, Lord, and that we will surrender ourselves to let you be that friend through us. Father, we love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever in your life felt alone? Maybe there was a season in your life and you just felt lonely. Maybe the words you could use to describe how you felt would be isolated or distant. Have you ever felt alone? Like the people around you just didn't understand or you would try to connect and it just never really worked out or it just seemed like you can never make real relationships and real friendships. Have you ever felt alone? Well, the truth is that God created all of us with a built-in need for healthy, growing spiritual relationships. God built that need into us. Uh, I find it interesting in the book of Genesis, you see, God is creating everything, right? He creates everything. And what does he say after he creates something? He says, he saw it and it was good. God created something, he looked at it and said, that is good. Well, I find it interesting that after he created man, the pinnacle of his creation, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. Now get this, this was before sin entered the picture, right? This was before the fall. Adam enjoyed a perfect relationship with God. There was nothing barring that. There was no sin that would hinder that relationship. Adam had the perfect relationship with God, and the word that God still uses to describe Adam was alone. And he said that it's not good that he is alone. Now normally we hear this passage in the context of marriage, and rightly so. God's immediate solution was to create for Adam a wife. Um, but I believe the implications of what God is saying here go far deeper 
than just uh, verifying the marriage relationship. They go far deeper. What God is saying here was man needs some relationships. Man needs friends. At its core, God is making a statement about the importance of us connecting with other believers. The point is that no man is an island. God did not create us to just kind of be on our own or to be isolated or to feel alone. Men need other men in their lives. Ladies need other ladies in their lives who can come alongside with each other as we follow after Christ, who can encourage each other, who can help us grow closer to Jesus Christ. When I think about these kind of relationships in my own life, um, one of the first people that instantly comes to my mind is my brother. Uh, This past month, at the beginning of December, uh, we had the privilege of actually going to his wedding. I was able to be his best man, and it was a lot of fun. It was really, it was really just a fun time, but at the rehearsal dinner, my brother, he handed me a letter. Um, and I'm going to read a, a bit of that letter to you here in just a minute, but before I do, I want to give you a little bit of background so you can kind of understand where, where the letter's coming from. Um, the men in my family have always, uh, how can I put it, set a pattern, set an example that was not a God-honoring one. The legacy that has been handed to my brother and I is not a legacy that honors God. It's not a legacy that um, would glorify Christ by any stretch of the imagination. You couldn't call it a Christian legacy. Uh, about four years ago, it all kind of climaxed uh, with some of my father's sins becoming very public um, there in Phoenix, all over the news type of thing. And So the legacy that my brother and I have been handed has not been one that honors God. And these past several years, one of my biggest prayers and probably the strongest desire of my heart is that God would redeem that legacy through my brother and I. Is that God would redeem that and that we would be able to pass on a godly heritage to our families and to our children. So with all of that in mind, my brother, he hands me this letter. And in the letter he says, My dear brother, oh how times have passed and what times they have been. It's a lot of stories in that little statement right there, but we won't get into them. He said, Thank you for everything that you are. I know that you have set out to intentionally break a pattern that has persisted in the men of my family. He said, I assure you, you are not alone in that intention. Here's to reclaiming the once noble name Minerva. You can see I have this letter actually framed in my office. What my brother was saying was, let's join arms, let's lock arms together, and let's see what God can do in our family's life. Let's join together side by side and let's see God redeem our family name. And the truth is, all of us need those kind of relationships on our lives. Relationships that go deeper than just being sports buddies. Relationships that go deeper than just being, well, you know, we've known each other since second grade. It's God's desire that we have relationships in our lives where we can come alongside each other. We can lock arms together and we can say, let's see God do something great in our lives. True, deep relationships are relationships that help us grow deeper and deeper and to know Jesus better and to serve Jesus better and to fall more in love with Jesus. When God was saying it's not good for man to be alone, what he was saying was we need these kind of relationships. Real spiritual friendship is eagerly helping one another know, serve, love, and resemble Jesus in deeper and deeper ways. Men, we need other men in our lives who we can come alongside and who can come alongside us. We can lock arms together and seek to build and pass on a godly legacy to our families. Ladies, you need other ladies in your lives who are going to help and point you to be more 
and more like Jesus. Teenagers, you need relationships in your life that are going to help you fall more and more in love with Jesus. This is what true spiritual friendship is. And this is the type of friendship that God has created in all of us. So if you're sitting here and you feel isolated and you feel alone, let me encourage you. Build these kind of relationships. Build these kind of friendships. Mature believers are people who are growing in community with other believers, spending time together, encouraging one another, and supporting one another as they grow deeper and deeper into Christ. And you say, Nick, that sounds great. I want one of those kind of friendships, right? I think if all of us were to be honest, we'd say, yes, that's the kind of relationship I want. That's the kind of relationship God has destined me to have. Introvert or extrovert, it doesn't matter. That is the type of relationship God has destined us to have. But maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, okay. How in the world do I have that kind of a friendship? How in the world do I develop that kind of friendship? You see, the key to being or to having the right kind of friendships and to having the right kind of relationships isn't running around with a checklist around the church with a checklist saying, okay, here's all the criteria I have for you to be my friend. That's a horrible way to make friends, right? So don't do that. The key to being the right or to having the right kind of friendships is being the right kind of friend. If we want this kind of relationships, it's key that we be the right type of friend. But the only way we can be the right type of friend is if we surrender to Christ and let him be a friend through us. Jesus gives us the perfect example of what true friendship really is. And when you study the life of Jesus, I can't think of a better part of his life that demonstrates true friendship than on the cross. So this morning, we're going to look at several aspects of the cross. We're going to see how does the cross reveal the kind of friend that Jesus was. Our theme for this morning is this, because Christ is a friend in me, I can be a friend to those around me. As we study and see the kind of friend that Jesus was, keep this in mind, because Christ is a friend in me, and Christ is a friend to me, I can be a friend to those around me. How can we be a friend like Jesus? Turn in your Bibles, if you want, to Luke chapter number 22. For our first thought this morning, Luke chapter number 22, we read verses 41 and 42. This passage of scripture is going to take us to just before the crucifixion. And we're going to see a moment in Jesus' life where he is very transparent in prayer. We're going to see exactly what he is feeling before he goes to the cross. Luke twenty-two forty-one says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In his final moments, you can see Jesus. He's about to go to the cross. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's telling God, God, if there's any way out of this, let me know. God, this is not what I want to do. But we can see Jesus surrendered what he wanted. He surrendered his own desire for the ultimate good of his friends. He surrendered what he wanted for the ultimate good of really mankind. Which leads us to our first thought this morning, and that's this. The cross shows us that Jesus was a committed friend. The cross shows us that Jesus was a committed friend. Jesus willingly put the needs of others before himself. Jesus was so committed that he said, I will put aside my own desires. Jesus was so committed, he said, I will put aside my own wants, my own preferences. Jesus said, I am so committed, I will do something that 
I don't really want to do. He said, God, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus was so committed as a friend that he willingly put our needs before his own. And when Christ is working in us and through us as a friend, we too can be a committed friend. When Christ is working in us and through us, we too can't put the needs of others before our own. We can't put the desires and the wants and the preferences of others before our own. The Bible says in Philippians 2, 3, In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look at that last part. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Now, I read that verse, and if I were to be honest, that's not the default way I treat people. Normally, I esteem myself better than others, right? That's how a lot of us, if we were to be honest, we'd say, I'm really good at esteeming myself, not so great at esteeming others. Uh, If you don't believe me, just ask my wife. Um, I can't remember what time on our honeymoon. Um, For our honeymoon, we we went to Disneyland. We had a great time. We were there for a couple days. Then we went to the beach. Then we drove up Highway 1 along the coast. We just, it was a beautiful week, right? And then we get back. We have a few extra days. So we're setting up the apartment. We're getting everything ready. And she's in happily wedded bliss. She's the wife setting up our little apartment, just enjoying it. And one morning I walk out into the living room and I look at the way she's arranged the furniture. And I said, now, sweetheart, this is not the way we're going to have the furniture in our home. You said, Nick, you said, well, I said that. I was like, this is not how we're going to have the furniture in our home. This is how I think the furniture ought to be in our home. And then we proceeded to have a very boisterous conversation about how the furniture should be in our little one-bedroom apartment. Um, Truth be told, I was not esteeming my wife better than me. I was esteeming myself better. I was esteeming what I thought was better. The Bible says to, in honor, prefer one another. And truth be told, I was preferring myself. (laughs) I was preferring what I thought. And if we were to be honest, a lot of times that's how we are in our friendships. A lot of times that's how we are in our relationships. We'll push what we want. We'll prefer our own desires. We'll push for what we think is best. And we won't prefer one another. We won't esteem somebody else better than ourselves. But when Christ is working in us and Christ is working through us, we can't esteem others better than ourselves, and we can't be committed in our friendships. Oftentimes, we don't put others first. We put our own preferences first. But the truth is, because Christ is faithful in us, and Christ prefers others in us, we too can be committed in our friendships. We can be committed in our relationships. Because Christ was committed... I too can be committed to my friends. Our thing, because Christ is a friend in me, I can be a friend to those around me. Let's move on though. Let's see the the next aspect of what the cross reveals about the friendship of Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. The Bible says in Philippians 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, get this, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What we see here in Philippians is that Jesus Christ made himself available to be our sacrifice. Jesus made himself available to be our sacrifice, which leads us to our next thought. Not only does the cross show us that Christ was a committed friend, he was committed. He put his own desires before, or he put our desires and our needs before his own. But Christ was also a connected friend. 
The cross shows us that Jesus was a connected friend. Jesus was available to his friends. Jesus self made himself available by making himself available for the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus was so connected with his friends. He was so connected with his disciples. He was so connected with those around him that he was instantly able to take care of their needs. In fact, when you study the life of Jesus, you'll often find Jesus making himself available to others even when it wasn't always convenient for him. I mean, think about when the, the people were trying to bring children to Jesus and the disciples were like, no, 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 he's, he's too busy, he doesn't have time. What did Jesus say? No, suffer the little children to come unto me. Allow them. I am making myself available to them. You think of the feeding of the 5,000. Well, if you read that story, you're going to see Jesus is trying to get away to be by himself so he can mourn the death of John the Baptist. But these people came, and what did Jesus do? He made himself available to the people. Jesus was connected. Jesus made himself available, even when it wasn't always necessarily convenient for him. The truth is, if we only allow ourselves to be available when it's easy for us, the only person we will ultimately connect with is ourselves. Jesus had this sacrificial ability to be available. He sacrificially allowed himself to be connected, even if it wasn't convenient. And when Christ is working in us and through us, we too will have that same kind of availability. Uh, the Bible says in Galatians 6, 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love that. Bear one another's burdens. The truth is, burdens are heavy. Burdens are messy. Burdens are inconvenient. Burdens always have bad timing. And here Paul tells us, bear one another's burdens. Be available to help each other. Be available. Be connected so that you can help bear one another's burdens. It, it, it should, we should note that it does say to bear one another's burdens, not dump your burdens on one another, right? Okay? So don't go around and just be like, oh, here's my burden. Bear it for me. No, he says to bear one another's burdens. That means I'm going to make myself available. I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to be a help. Well, how, how can we bear one another's burdens? What are some practical ways that we can make ourselves available? I think we can be available to listen to people. And this is something for, for me, it's a little bit difficult. Because if somebody's talking, I don't always like to stop what I'm doing and listen. But the truth is, if the Spirit of Christ is working through me, I'll be available to listen. We should be available to help meet practical needs. Um, I saw a commercial the other day, and it was poking fun at the fact of how friends can never get any help moving. Um, and it's true. Why? Because we don't like being available to help do stuff that we don't like doing. But when Christ is working in us, we'll be available to help meet those needs. Uh, I can think of our connection groups. Um, our connection groups are, they're just so awesome at helping meet these needs and being available there for each other. Several of our connection groups this past year, there was someone in the group who had a financial need. And the groups, they got together and they helped provide for that financial need. Why? Because they were connected and they wanted to be available to one another. What's another way you can um, get connected and be available? Well, I think of the best way to get connected at Ambassador is jump in a connection group. Uh, that's why we call them that. So if you're looking here and you're like, I need some real friends, Nick. I need some of those deep relationships that you're talking about. Let me tell you, the best place to find them is just being faithful to a connection group. Jumping in there, making yourself available to those people. Uh, if you want, you can make yourself available to host a connection group for a semester. Say, hey, I will open up my home to my connection group. We want to make ourselves available. The question we want to ask ourselves is, am I making myself available to the people that I call my friends? And am I making myself available and am I allowing myself to be connected when it's not always convenient? Are you allowing yourself 
to be connected. Again, when I think of people at Ambassador who are really well connected, the first group of people that jumps into my mind are our connection group leaders. Uh, these folks, every week, they just take time out of their week to open their homes up and open their lives up and just be there for the folks in their group. And there's one connection group leader in particular that I'm thinking, several times last year, he would rush in late for soul winning or he would send me a text say, hey, I'm running late. I have like 20 people over at my house right now. That's awesome. Why? Because he is making himself available He's making himself, allowing himself to be connected. That's Christ working in him and through him. And it's no wonder that Ben and Tracy's group always have a lot of folks in it. Why? Because they are making themselves available. People know, hey, if there's a need, I can go to them. Why? Because they made themselves available. And when Christ is working in us, we too will be connected and make ourselves available. So the cross shows us that Christ was a committed friend. The cross shows us that Christ was a connected friend. But let's jump back to our opening text, John 15, 13, and we'll see the last aspect of what the cross reveals about the friendship of Christ. And if you've been around here long enough, you're probably already guessing what it's going to be. But John 15, 13, we'll read this first and then we'll look at our next thought. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus defines the greatest demonstration of love. And then not only does he define it, but a few chapters later in the book of John, he demonstrates it. So what's the last aspect we see? The last thought this morning is the cross shows us that Jesus was a compassionate friend. Jesus was a compassionate friend. Jesus loves his friends. Jesus loved us so much that he willingly laid down his own life for us. Let this sink in for a minute. You cannot exaggerate how much Christ loves you in this very moment. Think about it. Sometimes somebody will tell you something, and you're like, nah, you're exaggerating. You cannot exaggerate how much Christ loves you. And the cross was the greatest demonstration of that. The cross reveals that Jesus Christ was a compassionate friend. Jesus loves his friends. And when we surrender ourselves to Christ, when we allow Christ to work through us, we too will be compassionate friends. We too will be able to extravagantly pour out love on those around us and pour out love on our friends. It's been said that compassion is your hurt in my heart. Your hurt in my heart. And I can't help but think when you think of the life of Jesus, that was him so often. In Matthew 14, he saw the multitude of people and the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Jesus saw them and then he put their hurt in his heart. Let me ask you this morning, whose hurt is in your heart? Who is Christ working through you to be a compassionate friend towards? Um, I think of the, the compassion team here at Ambassador Baptist Church. Um, Cindy does such a phenomenal job of leading this group of people as they go out and they minister to the homeless people here in Fresno. You know, the truth is that she has their hurt in her heart. She has their hurt in our heart. Several of our connection groups constantly serving people. I know there's groups that go and they feed, uh, they feed and serve at the Ronald McDonald's house. There's people who go and they'll, they'll do barbecues for our first responders. Why? Because they're putting their hurt in their heart. They're so filled with the love of Christ that it's overflowing in all their other relationships. They're so filled with God's love that I can't help but spill out as they serve other people. Their hurt is in their heart. Whose hurt is in our heart? Let's ask this. 
Who in this room has a hurt that could be in our heart? You know, I think it's vital that the world see our commitment, our connection, and our compassion. I think it's vital that, it's, that they see Christ working through us. I will say amen to that a thousand times. But I think it's also just as vital that the folks in this room see our commitment and the connection and compassion of Christ working through us towards one another. Jesus says, all men shall know you're my disciples by your love one for another. So let's, let's, yes, show the compassion of Christ on the world, but let's also show it on one another. Who in this room has a hurt that you could place in your heart? And then at the end of our opening text in John 15, 17, Jesus says, these things I command you, that you love one another. Right after, Jesus defines the greatest demonstration of love. Hey, here it is, guys. Greater love had no man than this, and a man laid down his life for his friends. Three or four verses later, he says, now go and love everybody else just like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> I can't do that. But you see, the beauty of the cross is not only does it provide us a demonstration of love, and not only does the cross provide us a demonstration of what true friendship is, it also provides the power and the motivation to be that kind of friend. The cross shows us this is what a true friend is, but it also gives us the power and the motivation to be that kind of friend. And when we allow the commitment of Christ to throw through us, we will be committed to our friends. When we allow the connection of Christ and the availability of Christ to flow through us, we will be available and connected. And when we allow the compassion of Christ to flow through us, we will have compassion on our friends. We can be the type of friend that Jesus was because Jesus is in us. And he wants to continue to be that kind of friend through us. So as we go into 2015, let's as a church surrender and say, I'm going to allow Christ to be a friend through me. Because Christ is a friend in me, I can be a friend to those around me. Imagine, if you would, everybody that walks through the doors of the Ambassador Baptist Church doesn't just find a friendly church, but they find a true friend. They find a friend who's going to help them grow. A friendship that's deeper than just, hey, did you see the game yesterday? But a friendship that really helps them be more like Jesus and fall more in love with Jesus. Imagine if everybody that walked through those back doors didn't just find a friendly church, but they found a real friend. Imagine if everybody in this room, just here in this room this morning, would be that kind of friend, and we could find that kind of friend in each other. The development of meaningful relationships where every member carries a significant sense of belonging is central to what it means to be a church. This is a God-ordained gathering of people that is so strong that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And that's how that happens. That's how the church can rise up and make a difference. That's how the church can rise up and really change the world. It's because when we as Christians lock arms together and say, hey, let's join together and be on mission for the glory of God together. That's how we make a difference. That is how we can show the world the love of Christ. Imagine a church full of connection groups, arms locked together, on mission to change the world. These are the kind of relationships that God has created us to have. These are the kind of relationships that God has destined us to have. And here at, here at Ambassador, we believe those relationships are so vital. That's why we have Next Step Bible Studies. So you and another Christian can sit down one-on-one -on -one and develop that kind of friendship around the Word of God. That's why we have our connection groups. So you and, another, so you and other Christians in your life stage can have that kind of relationship together. These kind of relationships are vital Will you let Christ be a friend through you in the upcoming year? Let's pray.